I get endorsement money for that. <clears throat> Good morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Barry Johnson, and uh, among other things, my hips are wearing out on me, and I can't stand very long, so they have graciously allowed me the opportunity to sit at the stool, if I can make it work, and uh, so hopefully have a good time with it this morning. I, as I was listening uh, uh, to Kobe, does anybody else accidentally say Cody besides me? Nobody. You're amazing. I still do. But um, as I was listening to Kobe make those announcements, it reminded me of an old camp song we used to sing. Perhaps you've sang it too. I don't know if. Announcements, announcements, announcements. A terrible death to die. A terrible death to die. A terrible death to be talked to death. A terrible death to die. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Kobe, you did so well, but I still... Let me fix your mic because I don't think they're hearing. We are. Make sure they can hear hear you more clearly when you insult me. <laughs> I think that's I, a little better. That's a little loud. Harley, Harley's got me. Uh, I, I'm not much into this new tech stuff. I I finally got used to a boom mic, and I know how to lean into it for emphasis. I'm not sure how to do this one. My son thinks that my version of high-tech is an internal combustion engine. But um, if there had never been a savior, what a mouthful. And uh, I appreciate that offertory uh, so much. I'm nervous. I've been a pastor for almost 40 years, but this is a unique experience for me. It's the first time I ever spoke in a Nazarene church. So... I'm, I'm just uh, tense besides the fact that, as many of you know, I retired the end of March, so I haven't preached in almost five months. Two months ago, I forgot how. And <laughs> so I've been trying to read up on how to preach sermons and going through all this uh, online stuff that somebody has to look up for me. And, um, but uh, I have had the great pleasure of knowing Chad, your pastor, for... Many years, we both served in the community for over 20 years, and I appreciate him so very much. I just came back from my annual two-week sturgeon fishing trip on the Columbia, and Chad and Harley have joined me several times, as has George and Riley Anderson and Mark and Bryce Paulson and Kyle, and I just sometimes I'm just surrounded with NAS people. And so when uh, I retired and we agreed to by my own choice to give the new leadership a chance to get settled without me looking over their shoulder, we decided we would come here because uh, many of our friends are already here. Some of you have heard me preach before. That is why you come to this church. And so <laughs> I'm sorry if uh, I've caught up with you. But... Um, I really struggled with what to speak about this morning, and this, is, this first service is really tense for me because I tend to be a guy that can, I mean, I, I have been known on occasion to preach for 40 minutes or so, and, and I don't have that option in the first service. I have to run because you've got more people coming in the door in just a short time. But um, 
I'm normally an exegetical pastor, which just means I preach through a book of the Bible or some long passage. I always know where I am the next Sunday because I know what the next verses are. But to just get a one-time shot at it, to get dropped in the middle of things, and we've certainly been appreciating uh, Chad's series on, I've been gone for several weeks, but this series he was doing in Genesis, I learned some new things and appreciated that. But because I am just kind of dropped in on a kind of a one-shot deal, I tried to think of what it would maybe be that I could be of most useful. Um, and what I settled on, I hope is helpful. Uh, when I finished up the 31st of March, the last two Sundays that I preached, I had 12 things that uh, I wanted to leave the congregation with as I left. I divided them into two of, uh, groups of six things and so I decided to take the last one, modify it a little bit for you, and give you the six last things that I admonished my own congregation of 20-some years with as I left. Now, some of that will not be the same context because I haven't been your pastor for 20 years, and so it may have some different effect, but uh, there are still things that I thought of. If I only had one last time to talk to them, what I would say and in this case, if I only have one time to talk with you, this is what I would like to say. As a pastor for 40 years and a Christian for almost 60, I, I have had opportunity to see things, experience things, teach the Word, uh, be uh, uh, vulnerable to it, corrected by it. And so that's where I would hope to... Uh, go this morning. Before we do that, let's just stop to pray. Father, I am grateful to be here. You, you already know that. You also know of my extreme incompetence, my sinfulness, my weaknesses, the things I don't know that I think I do know, and the things that I do know that don't, I don't practice. And yet somehow you have seen fit to put me here on this stool this morning. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us liberty. I pray that I might speak the truth, that I might speak it clearly. That you would give us ears to hear. And Lord, that I might not be tedious. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've gone through uh, years of ministry, some may be considered somewhat successful, some of them not so successful, there were just a number of things that as I boiled that down to that I thought were particularly important. And I wanted to share with my own congregation as I left, and I would like to share with you this morning. The first bit of parting advice that I gave them and that I would give you as a group of believers, as a body of Christ, brothers in similar duty and responsibility and calling to the gospel. The number one thing is don't become entangled with the world. Paul told Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits because all he wants to please is the one who called him to soldier Keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
we are to give up all else that we might know Him. Uh, we don't pervert the gospel with all kinds of our personal pet causes. We don't do it uh, about uh, theological preferences necessarily. We certainly don't want to do it about politics. We don't want to uh, pervert the gospel and become entangled with things that really have very little to do with how we get the message of Jesus out. We so often find ourselves compromised with ungodly standards to promote our own ends or things that we think are important, whether it's in a political situation or a church situation or career move. We're supporting ideas and things that really don't represent godliness, and we need to stay separate from them. If the people on your side aren't saying the right things, then take a stand against it. Don't just poke fun at the other side. We need to stand up for what is right. We need to not get tangled up in the battles that so often distract us. The gospel says that we love those people who are in the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Lost people, liberals, the other party, the other denomination, other races, Muslims, socialites, socialists, i got to always read this out. LGBTQ, they are not the enemy. They are not the enemy. They are the target of our efforts. We say that we should love the lost, but we really just often don't. Rather, we fear them or hate them or we have power plays. Those kind of things are not the gospel. They're not about the gospel. And as Christian people in a Christian church, we need to make sure that we do not allow ourselves to become entangled in the world. To participate, yes. To vote, do our duty, run for office if you want to. To be involved in some kind of theological preferences or crusades. But let's remember to keep the main thing the main thing and not become entangled with things that are the world's distractions. Don't do it. The pursuit of money happiness, personal fulfillment, success. That's the world. That's not us. We use our resources for the gospel. We use our resources and our time and our effort to see people join the family, not to keep them away from the family. We avoid distractions. Don't become entangled with the world. The second thing is right on the back of it. Discern what is best. Paul told the Philippians, I pray that your love might abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you might be able to discern what is best and stop sinning. We are so often as Christians swallowed up not by bad things, but by good things. We are distracted by good causes, social philanthropical causes, political causes, personal rights, theological favorites. We're we're distracted by things that are good, but perhaps they are not best. We need to know the Word. We need to search the whole counsel of God, not just for our favorite verses or our favorite... Did we lose me? I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Somebody wrote a book about that. 
We need to spend our time and resources on, on our emotions, on things that matter the most to God. There are all kinds of good things out there that take, take, take up our time, but they are not often the best things. We are supposed to be modeling the kindness of Christ to the lost people of this world. We need to discern what is best. We need to preach the real Jesus, not one that we have created in our own image, who has our own preferences, but we need to discern carefully what is best and use what limited time we have and what limited resources we have for those things that are very best. Third, don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. It seems to me that as Christian people and my own life as a church, as uh, the American evangelical church, our prayers and efforts are so often to make our own life easier, to make our own life happier, wealthier, healthier. But the Bible says it has been given to you on the behalf of Christ not only to get to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. To suffer. We often uh, think differently. We think that this is about us. That somehow this is about our fulfillment. What we get out of this Christianity thing. It's not about uh, making life work necessarily. It's not just about your spiritual gift. Now I'm all for spiritual gifts. I think God maybe gave me some to fulfill some calling that he gave me as he has given you Gifts to fulfill callings he's given you. But that does not mean that we fall into this trap of thinking that if we don't like to do it, it must not be God's gift. And we therefore don't have to do it. This idea that we do whatever we like in the church because it's our gift and we don't do whatever we don't like because it's not our gift is nonsense. And it's certainly not a biblical view. You do what is required when it is asked with all your heart, easy or not. Our lives are supposed to be living sacrifices, not a pursuit of ease or personal blessing. Sometimes we just need to buck up and put on our big boy pants and do the work that needs to be done and do the work that we've been asked to do our duty that is required of us. Don't entangle yourself with the world. Discern what is best. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. Fourth, when you fall down, get I've told my son and others as we've talked through the years that if you don't remember anything that dad says or Barry says or the pastor says, just please remember this one thing. When you fall down, get up. Paul told the forgetting those things which are behind and straining for those things which are ahead. We press towards the mark for the prize. Repent, 
Let's move on. My favorite chapter in Scripture. The prophet Joel is admonishing the children of Israel and he's talking to them about their failure and they need to come back to God and they need to repent. And Joel says there in Joel chapter 2, God says, if you return to me with all your heart, I will retain a blessing. And he goes on to list five things. My son, my only son, our son is named Joel. And he's named Joel because of this chapter in Scripture, because this is a story of my life. Maybe it's the story of some of yours. You got to a point in your life, you'd fallen on your face. You had to do something. You could stay there on the ground with your face in the dust, or you could get up. And I believe the Bible tells us to get up. If we repent with all our hearts, these are the five things that God tells through the prophet Joel that are ours. He says, I will satisfy you fully. I will give you back your good name. I will scatter your enemies. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And you will come to know me in a fresh, new way. When you fall down, and we all fall down periodically, when you fall down, don't give up. Get up. Because the Lord will be with you. Don't become entangled with the world. Discern what is best. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. When you fall down, get up. These last two things, I think, are quintessential to us as believers. I think I've listed them in their order of maybe importance, but that's really moot point. They're so both critically important. As a Christian for many decades and working in ministry for 40 years, there are a couple things that I think all of us as Christians need to keep in mind more than any other things that we do in our Christian faith. And these are the two things. Number five, Tremble at his word. Tremble at his word. The old hymn, some of you may know, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, has laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? As believers who call ourselves Christian people, it is imperative to us that we tremble at the word of God. It seems to me as a pastor so these many years that what I find so often in my own life, unfortunately, and so often in the lives of people in the congregation and Christians in general, is we like the favorite passages of Scripture that we have that support our arguments or understanding or our theological preferences, but we don't particularly want to study the whole thing. Oh, I get bogged down in Leviticus. You plow through Leviticus anyway. (laughs) Read every word. 
Because right in the middle of all that stuff, or the numbers in numbers, or the whatever else is going on, are these fascinating little tidbits. No, they're not little. They're huge things that you find right in the middle. And they apply to so much else that we know in the New Testament. We tremble at His Word. We know it. We do it. We obey it. We study to show ourselves approved. I'm not talking about some cookie-cutter program to get you in the Bible, and that's what you're supposed to do the rest of your life. Those are some great things to get us started. I am not a guy who gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I never journal anything. The people that like to journal write the books on devotionals, and so they like to say, journal everything. If you journal, for heaven's sakes, God bless you. Show me what you wrote. I'll use it in a sermon sometime. But whatever is your method of study, however you learn best, study to show yourself approved. If you're a visual learner, then, then read and get the pictures and do whatever. If you're an audio learner like I am, then play those sermons over and over again. Listen to somebody online. Hear something. Read something. Do something. But however you study the Word of God best, you do it. Study it. Obey it. You remember the Israelites at Mount Sinai? Anybody remember? They just came out of Egypt. They were, they were freed from their bondage of slavery. This benevolent God whom they did not know and did, had never met was carrying them as he said himself, I bear you on eagles' wings to myself. He'd fed a manna in the wilderness. He brought water from a rock. He parted the Red Sea. He brought in quail. From the ocean, Where does, how does that work? And they said, we're going to meet him at Sinai. We're going to meet him at Sinai. And they were excited about that, and they prepped for it, and they washed, and they put on their best clothes because they had this idea that there was this benevolent, good-hearted grandpa God that was going to speak to them at Sinai and introduce himself. He did introduce himself. But his word, his voice, it says over and over, the voice, just the voice, was terrifying to them. And they tried to hide from it. It was loud. It was authoritative. It was sovereign and mighty and holy, holy, holy. It was so loud and piercing, they were covering their ears and they were in stark terror We are not told that we have to be in stark terror of our loving Heavenly Father who has redeemed us in Christ, but we need to tremble at His Word. Do not treat His Word, either His spoken Word, His written Word, or His incarnate Word as if it were a light thing. Fear the Lord in all the right ways. Study, honor, respect, obey, tremble at His Word. His Word was not given to us simply to debate or to posture ourselves. It was given to us to obey. Don't be entangled with this world. Discern what is best. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. When you fall down, 
get up. Tremble at his word. But I still think there is a main purpose beyond all of this. And I believe all of these things and the six other things that I talked with those people at my home church about, that all of these things are important for us to remember. But I believe there is one last point that is truly the most important of all these things to remember and to practice. And if we can get a handle on this one thing, we'll be so much better at the rest. A few years ago, I was asked to write a letter to a high school graduate. I'd known him since he was born. I was his godfather. I don't know what that is for an evangelical, but I was his godfather. And uh, I thought long and hard about what to write him for counsel as he went off into the world. He'd been raised in the church, Christian kid. And I finally came up with this advice and this perspective, and I will share it with you. After nearly 60 years as a believer and 40 years in serving in Christian ministry, I believe that all of our efforts, all of our sacrifices, our time, our study, our service, our life, our thinking, our believing, all boil down to one purpose. I everything we believe, everything we accomplish, everything that we practice, that we pray for, we live for, we die for, should be for with this one single solitary thing. To exalt the name of Jesus. Anything else is beneath him. Do you hear me? Anything else is beneath him. And any service that we are committed to is beneath us as his children, if it is less. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's it. It's not to win arguments or accomplish great things. It's not to win elections. It's not to build empires. It's not to get our guy in leadership or to get our preference Past in the church board meeting, it's not to make the most money or to have the most respect. Our sole purpose as believers in the Lord Jesus is to exalt the name of Christ. Christ said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We are just lights. We are lights in dark places. We are examples of godly kindness and goodness. We are supposed to be lovers of people, 
sharers of the good news, standard bearers of godly living. We are supposed to be followers and examples and lights for the truth, all for the sole purpose of uplifting the name of Jesus. For at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do everything you do. Say everything you say. Stand for everything you stand for to exalt the name. Anything else is an insult to your maker and a complete and total waste of your time. Don't become entangled with the world. Discern what is best. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. When you fall down, get up. Tremble at his word. And do everything you do from this day forward (coughs) till the last day you breathe to uplift the name of Jesus. We'll close in prayer and then Kobe will lead us in a last song. Father, I thank you for this brief time in this place today. I thank you for these brothers and sisters who have listened so attentively and I pray that your Holy Spirit would capture our hearts not with this speaker's perspective or opinions but that we might be totally captivated by you, your person, your voice, your word, your ways, your calling in our lives. Oh God, our time on this earth, in this life, if we live to be a hundred, is still short. Help us to discern what is best and use our time to lift you up to those who most need to see you and hear your voice. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.